0: Simon Dardick you're not the founder you came on a year after no, no, it started no, no. right Yeah
1: right okay. basically vehicle press we grew out of a, uh, an art gallery an alternative art gallery called Vehicular it was the second artist run gallery in Canada that was like 1972, and there was an artist by the name of Tom Dean who bought a, a printing press. It was an old ATF Chief, it was called, and it had a. Ba- it was a bastard size. It was 14 by 18, which is kind of a weird size. Apparently, the story goes that that, that machine was used to to, to print maps at the, at the front because it was like it could take a beating. He bought this press and used it to bring out a magazine called Beaux-Arts Magazine, which was okay. quite a wonderful ephemeral magazine, art magazine it came out in, in the 70s. And the, the apocryphal story is that for the second edition the printer caught his hand-caught in it or whatever and it just everything everything ceased about the magazine I think the magazine ceased too but the press just sat there at Vehicle Art Gallery which was, and I found this out only in the 1980s when we published a book on a story of jazz in Montreal that it was an old club called the Montmartre and it was a, a blind pig in the 30s and so you go up the stairs and you, you enter, enter the club, mm. which is like all these hardwood floors with lodges, which was great for performance art in the 70s and doing lark. Large color field paintings, so it was like a great spot for that. And in the back, in the kitchen, is where, where the where the press was was this printing press. And it was like it was like terrazzo tile floors and about twenty foot high ceilings. It was an amazing space. And a couple of people in 1973 started gravitating around this press. Got a, got someone to print on it to use it, and for about six months, they were actually printing books on it and other materials for the gallery. And I I appeared late summer. After they had been been established, for people that were actually printing on this press? I walked in, and uh, because I had done magazines when I was in high school, or whatever, and, and I had I needed money. I was broke. And I that was painting, and I had a studio. And uh, I be I walked in. I became the manager in the typesetter. I learned how to typeset.
0: Oh, okay. my, on the job,
1: on the job. My, okay. my my buddy Guy Lavoie, who we still we share a sort of country place together near Montebello, Quebec. He went to one of the C.Jeps and learned how to operate a multilith printer. And basically, we're a group of people. Uh, we eventually formed a co-op. We were the first printing cooperative in, registered in Quebec and Quebec City, cooperative d'Imprimerie Imprimerie Véhicule. And our imprint, our publishing imprint, was Véhicule Press. And it sort of just came out of that gallery. And the whole Véhicule thing was when they established that name for the for the gallery and for the press. It was the first meaning in. Uh, Robert, the French language dictionary which meant a transference of ideas a vehicle of ideas so that's why we sort of we have as our logo though is a a horse it was like having fun with the idea of vehicles and and for a certain point time I'll show you we had some stationery which had a 1949 I don't know why 49 Ford on the the front of our stationery with our phone number on it and on the back we had the rear end of the car, of the back of the, the station. We had great fun because we were a printer, so we could print whatever we wanted. Mm-hmm. We, we printed for other people, mostly uh, social groups and art galleries. We were considered to be the non-sectarian press in, in the city. We would print for various political groups, and uh, we didn't pick sides, and for, the, and for the artistic community. In fact, a funny story is that during the Olympics a Marxist-Leninist press in town approached us and said, listen, we're really concerned that the RCMP is going to come and and maybe do damage to our press. We're going to close down for a few weeks. Would you take our customers? Which was an absolute riot because we never used up so much red ink in our lives. Uh. So anyway, it was fun. And and scythes. And 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 everything, whatever, you know. So we did did printing for the community and we printed, uh, we did our literary books. At the beginning, we did artists, uh, art books, or art, I should say. Catalog? Artists, no, artists, cre- yeah, artists created books, and catalogs for like the City Bronfman Center, which at that time had an art gallery, uh, and we did our own books. And in many cases, uh, some of the odd sizes were the, were, were the result of printing on the offcuts the paper left yeah, over yeah, from the books yeah. uh, that we printed. So it was, it was exciting. And, you know, we moved from one acronym to another. We were either on... UIC or or, or uh, CYC or you know name the acronym wherever we could get some money that's what we did right know,
0: to survive what's the first book that uh, officially uh, that uh, vehicle published
1: the first perfect down book was probably a book called Honey by Claudia Lapp what I have downstairs is I have a little just a little pile that's sort of a chronology and it was a book called Honey and I remember it was sort of our, our crunchy granola period <laughs> and we we actually went to a printer of honey labels, honey can labels, and had them, because they had beautiful designs, bees and flowers and everything, and had them print her name, Honey, Claudia Lab. That was probably one of the early ones. And I'll show you a couple of the others too, but there's one called Vegetables, poems by Ken Norris, and drawings by Jill Smith, drawings of vegetables, and they're poems about vegetables. We printed on craft paper. There was a, actually a, a sort of a design contest at that in, in I think it was 74, 75, and uh, they gave us an honorable mention for all of, I think the crunchy granoli granoliness of it because we approached W H Para uh, Nursery who had seeds and his own name and he packaged seeds for us with fewer seeds so that we could affix the seeds on the cover of the book. I oh, mean, that's this great. is the ultimate in the, in, in sort of what we thought then was ultimate, great ideas but it's a cute little
0: book you know. you're really appealing to the uh the collector in me <laughs> oh is that right really I because i don't know where you're going to find
1: i have just like one or two cars.
0: right yeah. right but that you know that that's that's the challenge isn't it yeah um so speaking of, yeah. of that uh perhaps we could l- talk about uh some of those books that are the funkiest or the ones that you've had the most fun doing or the ones that you're proudest of having Well, you produced. know what I
1: should do? We should go downstairs so I can okay. show them to you. Sure. Because it's a little... Uh, first of all, it's a great device. I know what I'm talking about. Yes, sure. But also also you can just see the books that we're talking about.
0: Okay. Okay, so why don't we go why Yeah, don't we let's go downstairs? do that. You want to great. close
1: your devices here? Well, I'll just carry them with me. Here we go. Let me take this down. Take your glass, too, if you want.
0: Yeah, you're going to fill these glasses up again, right? Indeed. Great. And again, and again, (laughs) and again. It's delicious wine. Yeah, it's quite wonderful. Yeah. Nancy,
1: we're going to go downstairs. Okay. We're doing some renovations. myself. No, do you have a hand free? Uh,
0: no. No, no, I do. Okay,
1: because, no, why did I... Oh, to so hang on? they are crooked stairs. Oh, okay. I don't want you to fall. Sure. There's so a guard. And there's baskets everywhere. Okay. This is sort of the industrial part of the house, Right. A so marketing person works out here. Okay.
0: okay. Great. That's, um... Maya. Maya, Maya. yeah, yeah. yeah
1: and this is I mean it's, it's great I'll tell you it's great working out of the
0: house oh look at that lovely flower bed there in front of your window yeah it's yeah. yeah. great here why don't you sit down here yeah me? we should probably turn that music down. down there we go how many books have you produced uh, all, all told oh, probably so far. about 375 we were also distributors oh, of, I like that. Uh, of literary presses what I'm looking at is uh, publications, 1976, Vehicle Press, just a, a listing of uh, all sorts of different publications. So
1: what you have here, these are all the copies of books, single copies of books we've published over the years, missing a few.
0: So you've got your prize winners at the top, eh, the GGs? Yeah, some of them. Yeah, and
1: right. you know, here's the more recent ones. Okay. So, so. the wonderful thing about Big printers, we can take the time yeah. to... Um, just have fun, you know? Yeah. And it reflects, it's an interesting transition from, or, or indicating our, our commitment to doing cr- artist-created books, too, because you have, I'm going to show you one, because I know you're interested in, in unusual books. Mm-hmm. Here's a book, I mean, this is like really exper- experimental, it's called 15 Unedited Poems by Mario Diacono, okay. 1974, Vehicle. And, and you can see we had fun because we could, you know, this is on our own time. It's die cut. Not
0: just on the cover, but going through to the, the, the uh, title pages. The, the half-title yeah. page.
1: And then the poems themselves <laughs> are, are really are really grids. This is poem number one, 15 by 30 words.
0: Let's <laughs> fill in the
1: blanks. This is like, you know, we were we were connected to an art gallery. We came across really interesting people. And Mario Diacono... Was a very interesting guy because he in Italy he had been the, secret, the private secretary to the uh, the famous uh, Italian poet Giuseppe Ungaretti, and anyway I'll tell you when we arrived at our gallery at, at the gallery press in the mornings we never knew what we were going to see it could be feces under glass filling the room it could be Joseph Boys I mean it could be it could be people who were doing part of the Fluxus movement. There were so many tendencies going through there. It was a very exciting place to be. Vibrant and Vibrant, uh, creative. Yeah. So that is like an unusual book. So you're wetting the uh, the image with the word. Yeah. 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 yeah, and pushing the limits of what is a book. Yeah. You know, what is this? Yeah. Someone will look at this and what is this? These are just like grids. Rids. Poem number ten is six by twelve words and there's no words. It's just no. a grid.
0: And it's a numbered copy. Yep.
1: Yeah. This is number fifty
0: three out of a of of, hundred and ninety nine. And this is the title of this is
1: Fifteen unedited poems. <laughs> Great. Okay. Maybe if they were edited, there would be a difference. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, I thought, enjoy. The Definitely, g- so, yeah. Uh,
0: Typically, what we're doing in these, mm-hmm. in these conversations mm-hmm. is, is to get a, a feel for the history of the press itself, but then very much to encourage uh, listeners to get out and try and acquire these books and use bookstores. In some cases, as you know, it, it can be a real quest. The greater the thrill, you know, the harder the...
1: Oh, absolutely. The, you know, the Absol- hunt, Absolutely. The, oh, here so, we are. So this is vegetables that okay. has sort of in this Art Deco type in caps, just vegetables on the cover. And then you have the W.H. Perrin seed packet, very flat, as I mentioned to you. They made them custom for us. Yeah, glued that's, onto it. That's glued on. It says eggplant. I love it. And it's vegetables, poems by Ken Norris, drawings by Jill Smith. And they're really beautiful, beautiful drawings. This is, I think, Kohlrabi. And in fact, the poet wrote it for Jill.
0: That's the on the poem.
1: Kohlrabi. I know nothing of Kohlrabi. Its design and properties exist beyond the periphery of my vision. Your drawing of it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. But what's great is that we used to go to paper converters. Uh, I don't know what's if you, that? A paper converter was paper companies that existed on the crumbs of the big companies. Mm. And what they would have is they would have, for, particularly for smaller printers... They would have ends of runs of paper, and they'd have sometimes paper made for a special edition. But, you know, once the edition's over, what are they going to do with this particular paper? It's kind of an
0: odd size.
1: Precisely. So the drawings are printed on this this, this sort of laid paper, as you can see, which was used for an edition, we don't know where, but this is what the converter, the guy that they're called, paper converters, uh, for an edition of Shakespeare somewhere somewhere, somewhere.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's got pretty good credentials yeah paper. exactly so yeah. the
1: illustrations are yeah, on that delightful. paper yeah, yeah really neat that,
0: that's really such fun. a lovely little book yeah it's really and nice what paper. year is that
1: this was 1974 i believe and then we reprinted it in 75 seat packet is compliments wh Perrin and company first printing march 75 this is the second printing january 1976
0: okay, and the title again is vegetables vegetables and period. it's by...
1: Poems by Ken Norris, drawings by, by Jill Smith. Okay. And I just saw a bit of our promotional...
0: Oh, isn't that great? There's yeah.
1: a promo- which is lovely, because this, this stuff is so ephemeral.
0: Look at this, Margaret Atwood's talking about vegetables. Yep,
1: yep, yep. neat, eh?
0: So many thanks for beautiful <laughs> vegetables. It was delicious, Margaret Atwood. <laughs> Funny, and eh? Olden Nolan. I liked it very much indeed. So much, in fact that I show it to people who visit me and say, hey, (laughs) look at this, it's good, which is something I don't do with many books. It's kind of cool.
1: Then you have Bill Katz Library Journal saying, a tasty, wise salute to the subject of the title from Veigel Press. And that's the prize we we got. Honorable Mention for Canada's National Book Competition, uh, Design Excellence, Look of Books, 1975.
0: And, of course, you're only going to find this in the second edition. This isn't in the first, because no one said anything about it. Exactly, exactly. Okay. So
1: that was one little
0: thing yeah. I thought I'd show you from okay. our crunchy crust yeah. and all the past. And this is honey, yeah. Claudia Lab. The honey label, and it's just very simple. And now, did you go to a? You went to a printing house that did we, honey labels? Exactly. For I don't know. Actually, I don't know if we
1: gave gave them credit or anything. I don't think mm. we did. We weren't so careful then. Now I'd give them credit. Yeah, we went yes. to a creator, a printer of labels for honey cans, yeah. and, because they're quite beautiful, and uh, he printed us labels just for this edition with. The author's name and the title of the book, Honey by Claudia kind of, Lap.
0: We've got kind of a rice paper in the front. Yeah, so it's, a, it's, a oh, it's laid as well. Yeah, it's yeah. A little,
1: yeah, so we had fun doing
0: you this stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? This one is seventy uh, three, and this is a revised edition, seventy yeah. seven. So Coach House started off in sixty five. Oh, that's right. They, yeah. So they they were uh, they were about a decade ahead yeah. of uh, or seven or eight years yeah. anyway. Yeah. Uh, Them
1: and another press called Intermedia Press, which also was public, were publishers and printers, and then died away.
0: Of course, you had Tim Inkster. Too. Tim started in 75, I think it
1: is. Yeah. The 70s were sort of the halcyon days. The economy was great.
0: People had money. People like us. And people, governments had money to promote this had kind money. of important work. It's, exactly. And now exactly. you have to yeah. scream and beg and... Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, we were sort of more grassroots than, than Coach House, uh, you know, because we, we did a lot of
0: printing for political groups. Well, and you did outside printing. Outside you know? printing. They were all stoned down there, too, though. So well, You guys probably were as well. I think we.
1: This is why I need lists <laughs> you know, to look at. Yes, so, yes you know, that's your memory. It's an aid memoir. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. we had great fun with this. Uh, yeah. The epigraph here is, Advice to Poets, Don't Leave the Bed Too Soon you can't come with words. <laughs> it was those kind of days, you see? Yeah. That gives you an idea. Now this is this is great fun. Okay. There was a fellow called Opal L. Nations, a Californian I believe, who came to Canada and worked his way across the country, spent some time in Toronto, I think had some books published by Coach House, books published by us stayed here for a couple of years, and then he left and went back to, I think, San Francisco or whatever. But he had a very fecund mind. Okay. Good. He did really wonderful sort of cutout stuff from books. And so here's like a soft-cover book with a, with a dust jacket. French uh, gate. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And yep. this is called... Called, inters- uh, it's called? It's called Intersleep, The Box in Which He Keeps His Voice. <laughs> we just, Again, we just had great fun doing this. Opal was really born in Britain in, the, in, I think, 1941. We even did a gatefold in this book. In the, uh, in the center? Or... His stuff was, the, he used sort of like vintage books to kind of take things together, and sometimes his own drawings right. to kind of then have, you know, have various bubbles above. People in the pieces cut out of magazines where he put it in his own text. And they were sometimes humorous, commenting on society, sometimes a bit sexual. Mr. Reginald, Thinsgrapp expresses his feelings on how he thinks about food and he had yeah, cornflakes boiled eggs whatever we had It was so a lot of the stuff was sort of conceptual art we glommed onto it and loved it so that's a neat book how much was this?
0: three dollars you see in, now I'm, in 1978 can um, you believe it? yeah I'm just itching to go online and see if, see if we can find a copy I would like to know if you wouldn't can wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, yeah. Okay. is that
1: neat? Uh, moving ahead a little bit yeah <clears throat> Do you know this book
0: you know I have uh, i guess a couple of years ago i I got a copy of one of the original uh, Civans. yeah, yeah, uh, so i 've got that in my collection, so what can you tell us about it?
1: well, you know it was it was a, a magazine that it was a literary magazine, Montreal literary magazine. Uh, edited by Eileen Collins, okay. who was part of a group of the literati yeah. of the of the period in the 50s. She published, really, it was only published for, for about two years, between 1953 to 1955. But what was wonderful about it is that it reflected the scene of Montreal at yeah. the time. So you had Leonard Cohen, Eli Mandel, Louis Dudek. Well, Robert Creeley wasn't part of the scene, but contributed mm-hmm. to it. It gives you an idea of what was going on then. Phyllis Webb, Ray Souster, Irving Leighton, uh, Avi Boxer, Sid Corman, D.G. Jones. I mean, it was, like, quite exciting. So yeah. we basically took... It was mimeographed, as you know, if you yes, have a copy. I do. And the yeah. cover was silk. Digest yeah. So we approached Eileen, who eventually ended up living with Louis Dudek. This cover photograph has got to be, to me, the most wonderful photograph of all because it was in Leonard Cohen's parents' country place in the, in the Laurentians. Look at what the moose head. In the right. picture, can
0: you believe it? And there's Leonard with a the guitar. And
1: there's Leonard with the guitar. Mm-hmm. There's Eileen Collins. And what we did... I've always wanted to do this in a book. You know when you see outlines of characters... And a little with the numbers to, to tell you, to who, tell they you are. who they are. Yes, I wanted to yes, do this in a book, yes. and we did it in this book. On that cover, yeah. Yeah, and it was their friends at the time, which was like, uh, you know, Wanda, uh, the Rosinski's, who were like, he was a sculptor, mm-hmm. and anyway, you know. So that that was their that was the scene at the time.
0: So you're uh, you're really bringing bringing attention to this this to, important yeah
1: time. publication in the yeah, fifties and sixties. Yeah. yeah, and then we had a book launching here at the house. So, and, and sorry, we, when was sorry. this? When
0: was this? It was published this. in
1: 1983. So, a lot of the people were still alive.
0: Oh, so, right. we
1: invited them to the house. We had a launch and we tried to recreate the scene. So, we had Marion Scott, the artist, we had Frank Scott, we had Louis Dudek, we had. They were all here. And that photograph was taken in our living room. This is a very interesting photograph because you have Irving, Frank, and Louis together. Irving and Louis had sort of this disagreement where they didn't speak to each other for years. So here they were feeling really good with each other at this event. It was covered by the Gazette at the time, Doris Giller, you know, who I loved. At that time, I was probably the only publisher in Montreal that spoke to her.
0: Because... I-
1: because everybody disagreed had had because she was a very forthright person. Right. Spoke and, her mind. And there was always an always arguments. And I I've always felt Well,
0: because of the fact that she didn't give glowing. Do reviews this or do or
1: that or didn't review a book or whatever. Oh, okay, she okay. was the book at book editor, I yeah. is that. And my feeling has always been that, you know, my duty is to my authors, and I don't care. I don't get into these kinds of arguments. And I loved her. I thought she was just great. And she came, she covered good this, writer. This, this good writer. This was her photographer from the Gazette that did that picture. <laughs> they did a full page. A, when, when, when would this ever happen again? A full page on this event at our house. On the party. On the party, and all the people <laughs> who were here. It was just Well, great. I mean, it it's no, worthy
0: of covering. It was, you know. yeah,
1: but there's many things that are worthy, and I don't think necessarily they would get covered. Okay, so, so
0: what you've done is you've paid homage to this magazine absolutely. by uh, printing uh, in the pages, you've basically duplicated all of the editions, correct? Indeed, we did. I mean, yeah. every
1: we've, every cover indicates of, of each edition indicates the section, and uh, no, no editing done except you know it's exactly what was in Sivan. You know, to, you're right in using the word homage because yeah. you know I grew up in Kingston. I had all my literary heroes when I came to Montreal. And, and you know became a publisher. It's one of the things that I wanted to do. I wanted to do books of current things that were happening, yeah. but I also wanted to publish uh, our history. And I've, yeah. I've tried to do that as much as I as much as I could.
0: Well, it's you know it's funny. That's what motivates me to do these interviews. Yeah, is I I really yeah. want to bring attention. Document it. Well, yeah. document, but just bring attention. Yeah. To people who've done wonderful things, and that, that more people should know about them, yeah. you know, I think that's a, so. so yeah. That seems to yeah. be a motive of yours yeah. as well.
1: Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. So I was so happy to do this book.
0: Look, I, you know, I came at a time where I was very lucky, where
1: I could still meet these people. So I, I can remember and publish them. I guess did you or not? I published Louis. But I can remember one day Louis lived in, in Louie and Eileen lived in Westmount on Ingleside Avenue. And I remember going there, we used to hang out there a lot. I remember there and I think I think the poet Andrew Farkas was there too, and I can't remember who else. But we happened to be there when Frank Scott was there with with Louis. We were in their dining room. One end of the table was Louis, the other end of the table was Frank. And it was like watching intellectual ping pong. We were on the sides, and us young guys, you know, Frank would say something. Louis, I read in the Fortnite review, uh, blah, 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 blah. And I think, and then Louis would say, Frank. And we'd be going back, our heads going back and (laughs) swiveling back and forth. Mm -hmm. It was quite exciting. Mm -hmm. It's quite a thrill Mm just to to see this kind of
0: repartee. Two
1: intellectual giants, really. You know, and I think Louis, to a certain extent, hasn't received his due because he was
0: not—he was selfless, whereas Irving was self-aggrandizing, and Louis
1: was—and Louis
0: was not. No, he gave a lot of opportunities to others, and he did. He? In, yeah.
1: in, in his essential series—the series he had at McGill, where he published, like we published George Ellenbogen. His first book was published, you know, I think after Leonard Cohen's, and uh, in, in that in that, that series, germinal series yeah, that, yeah. that Louis had. But and Louis had literary magazines, little magazines, and he had his press, two DC, DC books. Louis also, at a time when regular newspapers used to review books and review poetry, the Montreal Star used to review poetry. Louis was a regular book columnist. And Louis never pulled punches. He was never personal. But he would say this was good writing or bad writing. And I think what happened is a lot of people, his books, when we posed them, got... Merciless reviews. Right. I mean, they
0: were like, Payback.
1: they were horrible, just horrible. <laughs> right. It hurt him greatly. Did I mean, it. he never won a prize. He never, you know, he yeah. Never, it was just, uh, it was sad. And then when McGill turfed him out when he turned sixty-five, he was in a depression for a long time. But he was—you could drop over any time. He would—I still have this image of him in the kitchen, steaming the teapot to make it hot before he made the tea. And he was just like a very generous guy. I brought my daughter over. He would teach her how to
0: play chess. You know, he was he was a very very sweet man. What has there has there been much written about him? Like, is there a biography of him? I don't think so. I don't quite frankly, I don't know how many copies it would sell. Sounds to me though like that's what you are able to do yeah. is you want to publish something that mm-hmm. you think has merit, even if it's not yeah. marketable. Because his
1: role was incredible. He and er Leighton and Ray Souster were Contact Press. Yeah. You know, look well, look look what Contact Press published. Yeah, everyone. You know, he, he, everyone. He, no, nothing else to yeah. say. You know, he made an
0: amazing contribution just yeah. through that press. Yeah, well, it was the launch of modernism in Canada. Yeah, absolutely. Really. It was the
1: beginnings of like of the different camps because you're absolutely right. Sivan is, is is taken from Ezra Pound's Civilization is not a one man job. You know, there's there's other schools of, of writing, particularly poets who just you know. We're not into that uh, school of, of writing. That book was an important book when we when we did it for me. I don't even know if we have maybe two or three copies.
0: What we should do is post that bibliography that you gave me on on the site so people can identify okay, so uh, uh, and, and, and use it as a list to go after, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, okay so, uh, so what's uh, next on the pile then, there? This is sort of like my... Uh, greatest hits. Greatest hits. Greatest hits. Yeah.
1: Well, no, not necessarily greatest, but these are just books Significant. that sometimes reflect a, a change in the press, a transition or whatever. Sure. Like this was one of the first two books that we printed our, we couldn't print ourselves anymore because they were just too large. What I love about this book, this, this book was brought to us, and this is Spreading Time, Remarks on Canadian Writing and Writers 1904-1949 mm. by Earl Burney. This was brought to us by Ken Norris, who was an, an editor at the press at the time. And Earl delivered us a pile basically of radio talks, reviews, essays, all in chronological order, but, you know, Ken and I looked at this and we said this is interesting in a certain sort of historical way, but not a very interesting book. Kind of dry and boring. So I remember asking Earl, Earl, could you write an introduction to the book? You know, giving us, because it's chronological, it starts with this, I think the first review or, let's see, it starts in 19... Oh, no, 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 no. oh yeah. yeah, unpublished essay, 1926, the half-Canadian poet, Charles G.D. G. Roberts. So we said, Earl, could you write us an introduction? Well it turned out to be this prep what we call a preface and it's 1904 to 1926 spring plowing he calls it mm-hmm. and it goes back to him being born on in the homestead basically on the prairies and so then he just matched it all together everything he filled in so that went from what do you 19- mean he matched it all together? Well basically the first piece in the book was 1926. So he took us, brought us from 1904 to 1926. Oh, okay, yeah. His next review was 1937 that we chose, called Moon Whiston Canadian Poesy. And so we said, That's, quite
0: a, that's quite a leap, could, isn't it? I wonder what he did for those yeah, 10 years. Or, yeah, or, or,
1: yeah, or we didn't have the material no, or whatever. Okay. So then he did As I Remember from 1926 to 1937. Oh, so he's this,
0: interspersing it. This ended
1: the, up being his only memoir. He never wrote a memoir. Uh-huh. So to me it's we just did something almost accidentally
0: but it became but you've something really valuable yes. so it takes
1: us from 1904 to 1949 and then he had sent us the next batch and then he had a stroke and he never you know could have never read Couldn't do it thing. so isn't that amazing so you it starts here with him and his mother's greenhouse in 1904 in Morning, Morningside Morningside Alberta. Alberta there you go isn't that great Yeah. so to me this was like someone who was sort of a, a bit iconic for me, and it was just wonderful meeting with him. And a it's a nice few,
0: picture too, he looks yeah. very like Santa Claus there, doesn't he, with his, yeah. his his white beard. This is the
1: second edition. Oh, okay. Uh, first
0: edition, is up there somewhere. so you sold out of the first edition, yeah. which is good. Yeah.
1: yeah, and you know, working with Earl was just amazing. I mean, I have wonderful letters from him, which I use in my class. In my class, you when know, we were at the point where we're discussing the title of a manuscript, Okay. How manuscripts come with titles from from authors, and sometimes they're great, and sometimes it's like you're saying, Oh my god, no. And uh, you have to kind of be diplomatic and work at it. He sent these wonderful letters of suggestions of sort of like Canlit in the, Ruminations in the Canlit Swamp or whatever. I mean, they were just amazing titles, the one we ended up with. Well,
0: wow, that's yeah, terrific. It's neat. And what year is this one? This is uh, 1980, and then another, the revised edition in 89.
1: And I have to tell you, I've learned a lot over the years about topography because these were—I have to say—I mean, they were. I I, I look at this and I cringe because I would never do anything like this. Why? Uh, Maybe it reflects the time. I know because
0: my standards have changed. So this is—you mean they've improved? I would hope. I would hope. And you just don't like the way this is laid out?
1: Well, I think I've become a better because I do the—I do, I do all the typesetting even now.
0: Right, and okay. I would
1: just want to look at the inside. But look at this; these are the these are the <laughs> the first edition. Well, the
0: first edition you have got a hardcover, hard and a and paperback. Cover. And how many of these hardcovers would you have put out? Oh, probably, probably about fifty or sixty. not, no, many that, many. not that many then. No, really, yeah. well, that's that's rare. Yeah, yeah. And uh, because we would just sell to the libraries, they stand up to a beating. What, now, how many, how many of the books did you do in hardcover and in uh, paperback?
1: Well, in the earlier years, there was, like, there was a library market. Okay, Yeah. Now they don't... The library market has kind of disappeared. I see. I mean, they'll buy paperbacks now. We don't do any library editions any, any longer. Because,
0: like, I mean, the completionist <laughs> is going to have to get all of the hardcovers as well. <laughs> right? Yes.
1: I mean, here, like, we love doing... We've published all the works of uh, philippe joseph Aubert de Gaspé.
0: Yeah, this is like a 460-page book, hardcover, dust jacket. Published in
1: 1988,
0: cloth and paper,
1: and translated by Jane Briarley, who's got to be... She won the Governor General's Award for us. For this? Uh, uh, No, she was shortlisted. Uh, I love the Gaspé. Why? Look at at his lifespan, 1786 to 1871. It just covers an an incredible period in Canadian history. And he was a great storyteller. Hmm. And he remembers back to his what parents was he? and
0: grandparents. What was he like? A gentleman of leisure, or what?
1: He was a, a seigneur, you know. <laughs> yeah, really? Okay. And then, you know, this is his memoir.
0: So what? This would give you a bit of an idea of life on the. Oh, look at you know.
1: well, look at this: Yellow Wolf and Other Tales of the Saint Lawrence by by De Gaspe, okay. translated by Jane Bryerly. And this is about he's been remembering as a tra- as a child meeting Indians. Uh, native people living along the shores of the St. Lawrence you have like incredible stories here
0: yeah firsthand
1: as as a white man and and they they spoke to him he's an older guy he's meeting like chiefs and getting legends from them I just feel this is just fabulous you know and that's what I enjoyed typesetting this. I typed
0: it in the old style kind of why do you think it's fabulous
1: first of all he's out of fashion so, I, I, I loved bringing someone who's sort of out of fashion.
0: You know, or just not to, very well known. Well,
1: no, I think historians
0: know who he is. And, okay. and I think but you want to read Literary the history. Eye. I
1: wanted people to read them. Yeah. And so we've published everything that he's written, essentially. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, and we had like, one of this country's great.
0: How did, you, how did you
1: find him? I think Jane Brarley okay. brought him to me. And sometimes in this country, Translators act almost as agents. Okay, she and had, she, she lived, lived locally.
0: It, and she read it him in French. Or, or
1: exactly. Yeah. And she said, you know. Okay. And so we did his memoir and we did his we did this we did this book. So it must
0: have made a real yeah. impact on you then.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I mean and he's, he's a good
0: writer, obviously.
1: He's an excellent writer. And he did a book called Canadians of Old. Les Anciens Canadiens, which we put we she also translated for us. And it's just a great story of the conquest. Because right. it was about a French Canadian and a Scot who are like buddies? best of friends. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I have to mention is, you know, we're really on the fringes of publishing, in a sense, in Canada, English Canada, because we're situated in Quebec. Yeah. And it's kind of lovely to be on the, I think, to be on the edges. To Why is so It gives you, first of all, a perspective, I think, of, of, of Canadian literature. It's funny, living in Quebec, it's, it's to me, it's like living, it's like looking down the mountain at everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a certain... As we all know, connectiveness but isolation because yeah. Quebec, the language thing makes mm-hmm. a difference. being an English publisher in Quebec yeah, well, it makes gives you a kind different... of rare right at the right at the the onset yeah. the, at the
0: get go. Yeah, right, and it gives you a different perspective of the country, obviously. Yeah. Now these um, these are not, and don't take this the wrong way, but these aren't f- finely printed books. No, I know what you mean. No, they're nice to look at, but they're basically the idea is to. Get the text out in a reasonably the trade attractive paper, the trade paperback. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely, But but you didn't. So you didn't do the type of work that Coach House ventured into. No, never. With no. with because they did some exquisite things. Oh, yeah. And
1: it's never it's never, never been our it's never, never been, been
0: your your objective. No. no,
1: Other than other than you know things like vegetables or some of these early sure. kind of funky uh, things yeah. we did at the okay. very
0: beginning. Right, yeah. right.
1: No, it's never been it's never been my interest. Um, I mean we you're
0: you're primarily interested in the content and, and, yeah, no, no, it and in good design. Way. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good design through and through. Yeah. But
1: not not in terms of like fine, limited edition printing. It's never been our thing. It's, it
0: this book here is called Painting Friends, the Beaver Hall Women Painters by uh, Barbara Meadowcroft. It's a nice looking uh, you book.
1: Know, I like to chronicle not just literature. And this has like a one if you look at the inserts in the center. I mean okay. what's what's incredible about the Beaver Hall group is that these were all women painters. Oh yes. Who most of them earned their livings as art teachers in, you know, colleges and, and whatever. They have an incredible body of work. It's gorgeous too, isn't yeah, gorgeous, it? Gorgeous, really absolutely. Is. I mean, we what we did is we we tipped in a, a section of uh, printed on on high quality gloss paper color reproductions Good it's a book it? i'm very proud of and uh, it's not the, just the quality of the it's book. well
0: printed you can yeah. tell that yeah, yeah
1: yeah but it's it's also to me one of the things that i'm in, i enjoyed you know we enjoy doing at the press
0: well there really is a theme coming out here and this is that is uh, is that you want to bring attention to people who have accomplished things that Mm-hmm. Should be celebrated. That,
1: that were the, yeah, they made a contribution, and you'll notice. I and mean, look, we're we're a national press. Uh, I mean, most of our in the past number of years are are writers from across the country, from you know, Vancouver, or Winnipeg, you know, name it, Newfoundland. We love Newfoundland poets. Yes. But one of the focuses of the press has been Montre- the Montreal connection, the Quebec connection. It's mostly Montreal connection. English-Montreal. Yeah, to yeah. Canadian literature. And then we've also done to translations from the French in, in terms of poetry, too. Yeah. So, look, at we're an English-language press here in Montreal. We have our ear to the ground, and, and you know, we, we have some exciting stuff happening in the next year or two where we're we're doing some amazing translations of really contemporary stuff. I mean this is something that should be a natural because we're here,
0: right? It it should be, and in fact it is a cliché, the two solitudes. But really we don't know what's going on in Quebec literature, the arts in general, but particularly literature. And it's odd, you'll meet a a Quebecer who will have a set of their top 10 greatest authors uh, from quebec and here's us we we don't it'd know be them. unlikely if we'd even heard oh, one yeah. of them yeah they could be in tremendous bestsellers Th- i suppose that's part of what you're doing well
1: when part. we when we publish someone like pierre Neveu, if pierre Neveu was english he would be up there with like margaret atwood i mean he's like an incredible poet not just a poet he's mm. an essayist he's a poet he's such, like some incredibly yeah, i've him. never heard of him dimensional guy incredible writer
0: right it's A it, little it, less
1: so, no, but when you publish, many of our, our authors that we publish from the from the French, who are well-known here, it's like publishing a first-time author that nobody's ever heard of, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. it's hard to get them stocked in the stores, yeah. and yeah. it's like, it's crazy.
0: And, I mean, obviously it, you need to make sure that that quality of the language is translated into English in a way that that does justice to them. Well, the that's language. what's
1: exciting about what, what we do as publishers, matching the, the, right, the right translator yeah. with the book. And also, we have such a a group of tremendously talented translators in this country. Mm. And what we're, we're, we're trying to do in the next couple of years, too, is to continue with the established translators, but to also match books with young translators yeah. and have yeah. to sort of bring on the new generation. New art, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so
0: Painting that's Friends. Painting Friends. Yep. Okay, so next up is Poetry Nation, yep. the North American anthology of fusion poetry.
1: Well, you know, this is like fusion. In this case, I guess they mean like spoken spoken word. And we looked for spoken word that worked well on the page.
0: Yeah, and fusing the two. Yeah, yeah.
1: and just to give you an idea that, you know, you have to always explore new things, things that are happening. And this book, I mean, went into a couple of printings. It was very successful. <laughs> you know, half of them were American, half of them were Canadian. Right. But what's really good, Reggie Kabiko knew Allen Ginsberg's lover. And we got to print an unpublished poem because there's a part of the book which which honors the the pioneers of this sort of the genre of spoken word or whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah, and it's dedicated to it. It's for Allen Ginsberg and Ian Stevens. Yeah, and
1: and so they provided an unpublished, previously unpublished poem by Mm Ginsberg. And and it's a who's who of of people who were then spoken word.
0: I see you've got uh, David yeah,
1: and uh, Evelyn Lau. Yeah. I ben love Crosby. I love the cover. It was done by another designer, Don Stewart. So again, you know, it's just I, I'd like to bring this out as an example because it just shows that it's important to um, to look at different things and, and to stay and to stay fresh all the time.
0: You have an imprint called Signal, right? Maybe you could tell us a bit about uh, how that got going.
1: In the early seventies, essentially to qualify for the Canada Council, we had to have an editorial board, so we put one together. We had as our first editors Ken Norris. Artie Gold, both poets. Arty Gold's now deceased. Andre Farkas, who later on became Andre Farkas as he sort of discovered his Hungarian roots or wanted to assert his Hungarian roots, were our poetry editors. But then, at a certain point, and this has been written about. I should. I don't know if you know this book. Book language act.
0: I've seen it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, in Language Todd acts, Swift, edited by Todd Swift and Jason right. Camlock.
1: There's some history in there. You know, you'll find Andre writes it from his point of view. History of what? History of. of of, of literary things in, in English-language literary activity in, in Montreal and in Quebec. He gives his rendition of sort of
0: his history at Vehicle Press. Just from the perspective of someone who wants to learn about the press? W- this book would be, would be good. Would be good, think, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I'm
1: very pleased to publish that book, too. It was a very important book. André was approached by the editors, and, and André basically writes, I think he writes about Simon's Fuck You letter. I think is how he refers to it. But basically, back in the 70s, we wanted to do more than just poetry. And we suggested at one point that Ken stay on, Ken Norris stay on, and that that Andre and and, and Artie not. (laughs) And Ken wouldn't because out of solidarity with his friends. But there was a bit of a, you know, we didn't speak to each other for a little while at that time. It was such a long time ago. Because we really wanted to do more than just poetry, period. (laughs) So when Ken left, we needed to have a poetry editor. And that's when, you know, so Michael Harris came on. And for Michael, we decided to create an imprint to mark the the difference between the previous Vehicle Press poetry books and the ones that he's publishing for Vehicle Press. So we created Signal editions. You'll notice at the back of every literary, every Signal edition poetry book now, it'll say founding editor Michael Harris... And the current editor is mm. Carmen Steinino. And Carmen still has been since since 2000, I think, has been. Okay. And Carmen is still our editor. He's a wonderful poetry editor.
0: He is. He's a, he's a terrific critic, too. It's a great fun to Absolutely. read his uh, books of criticism. And this,
1: the new canon, his anthology, and Anthology of Canadian Poetry, has yeah. gone into about four or five p- printings. It's, it's, it's really great. Mm. And we are talking about now, another generation now, marking another generation with this book. And when when was
0: this published?
1: Uh, Check the date. I don't remember. Okay, let's see.
0: 2005 and a second printing in 2006. Oh, but it's it's been printed last year again.
1: It's been printed. Is
0: it used in in, schools? It's uh, used in schools. Schools, right. So, and
1: then 10 years ago, we created Esplanade Books to be our fiction imprint. And Andrew, after 10 years, uh, stepped down last December. His last book is New Tab, the novel that just got this great coverage in the Gazette that I showed you today. It was a really a, a lovely strong strong finish for Andrew. And now our fiction editor is Dimitri Nazrella And we're gonna we're going to be announcing this fall some really, I think some exciting stuff. Just a change and change is change is good.
0: Yes. Well, you're seventy years old now. Oh sorry to believe. You. And my sense is that by doing what you've done over the last 30 40 years yeah it's kept you sharp and motivated to continue yeah. what else has this experience done over the years for you
1: well it's given me the ability to uh, be around my kids as they grew up
0: that's for sure because
1: you're your own boss my own boss and we have two i have two full-time employees right and they work out of the house here in the basement that's right vicky yeah. marchuk here works as general manager okay and Maya Aswad in the other room does the marketing, marketing. Okay. And Nancy, co publisher, does. She's your takes, wife. My wife takes on two or three big projects a year. Right. So she's working on a couple right now. So it's really quite a nice balance and also Nancy being an archivist has definitely influenced already the interest i have in terms of historical stuff we've published two of her books
0: in the field of of what archives the scholarly practice of it or no no
1: no no no
0: Nancy's a specialist in nightlife in montreal no oh,
1: wonderful so she did stepping out the golden age of montreal nightclubs oh, good stuff. which goes back into the
0: 20s 30s Right up through the 50s and the 60s. I love it. A, a very showing, interesting
1: combination of how we all...
0: Here we have the front and back of the menu at Club Deauville at Chez Maurice, 1937. Right.
1: And I think, actually, the Montmartre is in there, and that is where Vehicle Press...
0: Started was, out. Started out. So you'll that see great. a
1: great picture of the Montmartre, great picture of the showgirl. All the stuff is from the Concordia University archives. Which they is have, a great literary destination, right? Yes, and, and historical stuff on nightlife in Montreal. In Montreal, Montreal what a... Yeah. They have, I think, about 2,000 photographs from this guy, Al Palmer, of, of just, like, exotic dancers. <laughs> what a great career, right? No, <laughs> Okay. So, anyway, yes, so that, yes. that's one of Nancy's. And I mean, this is great. So, Nancy being co publisher, I mean, she brings another aspect of the book. Yes. And here's a book we published called Montreal Photo Album Photographs from Montreal
0: Archives. Montreal Archives is the Montreal Archives? No. Various archives. They can okay. be religious,
1: the CPR, whatever. Sure. And, and the whole idea was they were approached and said, provide us with you what you think is the most unusual, important, or not known known photograph of Montreal. Right. So you end up with an amazing collection of photographs and with great annotations done by Nancy. And we actually got Pierre
0: Neveu to do a preface. So seeing so a Montreal it's not often seen. And is, again, exactly, isn't exactly. that the theme?
1: Well, it sort of connects with the literary exactly. Too. exactly. Yeah. But on the other hand, we're doing also very contemporary literature too. And then Nancy and I did a book on the Scots of Montreal, The Italian and the Jewish Guy become the experts on the Scots of Montreal with the McCord Museum okay. and the show that was on there. So this was, this was great fun. The McCord
0: has the Notman collection, exactly, right? Exactly, okay. which a lot of these come from. Oh, was, does it? Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Nancy's contribution is really qu- quite wonderful. She injects this um, historical perspective that sort of, as you mentioned, parallels the literary
0: bringing attention to yeah. what needs to be yeah. celebrated. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's, that's admirable. That's why I'm here. That's why, you're that's here why I'm here to bring it, attention yeah. to what you've been doing. Yeah. So uh, thanks very much for sharing Pleasure. your story with us and uh, continued success. Thank
1: you. And behind you, you well, everywhere, David Drummond covers. Right?
0: That's right. Yes, we don't want to forget David Drummond. I mean, take a look at this, no. look at this cover. Oh, I did see that. Isn't yes. that a great cover? Yeah, it's called Dog Ear, and you can imagine what's going on with the pages in the paper. And this one is one of my favorites. Uh, Remember I, I told I, you I did You a, sent that to me, yeah.
1: Because, you see, I looked at that, and I went, oh, that's nice, nice yeah. cover. Mm. I didn't see the shoes. No, no. And this then is, you see the shoes. Yeah, go, this is a bull with,
0: with women's sort of high heels as the shoes. Satin white uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, a, it's outstanding. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, really. <laughs> He plays word and image games with us, doesn't he?
1: He does. I mean, look at this. this
0: no, is, uh, he, I, he's, this is, you know. uh, yeah. Ah. No, I mean, we don't want to get too gushy here, but, no, uh, but, but David Drummond yeah. is, is a world-class yeah. Yeah. Uh, cover designer, and you had the foresight to hire him, really. They're just so much fun. And he's such a lovely guy to work with. Yeah. One of my goals is to try and encourage uh, a, a culture of collecting mm. in the country mm-hmm. and collecting David Drummond covers. It's quite a, it's quite a number, yeah, but you a know what, it. you know, it's just a joy to, <laughs> yeah. to, you know, to look at them and yeah. uh, they're so much fun. And, and he's award-winning not just in Canada, but you know, in the States and I'm sure around the world. So listen,
1: can I give you a couple of books?
0: I'd, uh, <laughs> that's to music to my ears. Publishers love to give away books. Okay, you know, as long as it's not rare. But but know. first of all, just let me thank yeah. you again for your time and uh, continued success. Well, thank you.